0: to ask you this morning, open your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we will be beginning a series today entitled, The Blessed Burden. And the focus of this series is we're talking about what it means and what it would look like for us to be a people who live with a deep burden for the souls of those who are around us. This morning, while you're standing, let's look together, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning in verse 17. And this will be our text this morning. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things pass away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word Of reconciliation. Therefore. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For he made him. Who knew no sin. To be sin on our behalf. So that we might become. The righteousness of God. In him. Lord Jesus I pray today. God would you remind us of the cross. And God I pray. Oh Lord would you speak to us. God, I truly pray, would you stir us up and send us out this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, church family, St. Corinthians chapter 5 is one of my favorite uh, chapters in the New Testament. It starts off with Paul talking about his desire to go to heaven and be with Jesus. He said, in this tent we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Anybody else ever feel that way sometimes? You're like, Lord Jesus, if you want to come on back, I'm okay with that. I look forward to seeing your face. But then he goes on to say, but Lord, whether I am absent from the body or present with you, whether I am I am here in this life or I am with you. He says, I make it my goal to be pleasing to you. And then after that, about the second half of this chapter, he then begins to talk about sharing the gospel with people, being missional in life. And so that's where this series comes from over the next several weeks. We're going to look at the second half of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to talk about having a burden. For lost people, a burden for people to come to faith in Jesus. We see Paul's burden there in verse 20, the, 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 the sense of passion behind his words as he says, "Therefore, we ambassadors for Christ, we beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He is begging, saying, "Oh, that you would come to know Jesus." This is essentially what we see in the New Testament with the apostle, uh, with John the Baptist, who would say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's calling for people to come to faith in Jesus. Now, there's a lot of things that we're going to look at in the days ahead in this chapter, but today we're going to focus on verses 17 through 19. And the title of our message today is simply this God's Call to Go. Now I want you to look with me again here in verses 17 and 18 as we look at this passage of Scripture. He talks again there. He starts off speaking about what happens when somebody comes to faith in Jesus. In verse 17 he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And if you're here this morning and you know Jesus, then you know what that is. You know what it is to be born again. I told the first service this, that this is true. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you're looking for a fresh start in life. You're looking to be able to start again. You're looking for something. And you like the idea of the sound of, of somebody saying that you are the old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And many people try that in their own physical life. They try to turn over a new leaf. They try to become a better person. And those are all well and good adjustments in life. But I want you to hear something this morning, church. The only way that we truly become new is to come into a relationship with Jesus. Therefore, to become in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And God wants that for you today. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, church, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is real and he can save and change your life if you would only receive him by faith here today. But then he goes from that to then beginning to see the call to go and share the gospel with others. It says that now those who have been reconciled with God, he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's talking about going and sharing the gospel. Now, when we talk about God's call to go, most Bible-believing Christians, we understand that we as Christians are called to go and tell the world around us about Jesus. It's why we celebrate this as a sacred duty. Matthew chapter 28, we have referred to as the Great Commission. that says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations celebrating the call to go is why us as Christians, we celebrate and we know the histories and the names of people like Hudson Taylor and Amy Carmichael and Jim Elliott and others. And by the way, if you don't know these names, I encourage you to go and and, and read these biographies and read them with your family and your children, these great men and women of the faith. Also, it's the reason why we take up offerings here at Eden Baptist Church twice a year. We take up the Annie Armstrong Christmas offering that goes towards sharing the gospel with people among the nations. And then at Easter, we take up the Annie Armstrong Easter offering that goes to sharing the gospel with people right here in North America. These names are after those who have served the Lord faithfully. However, what we need to hear this morning is that God's call to go Is not just given to people who go overseas to tell people about Jesus. And it's not just those who put themselves in risky situations. The Bible makes it very clear that we have all been called to go. And we've all been called to be vessels for the glory of Jesus and the gospel to be sent forth. My prayer, church family, is that today and over this next several weeks as we spend time in this series, is that God would deeply in our hearts you would hear Him call you to go. To fulfill the greatest purpose of your life as a Christian, to go and tell other people about Him. And so these verses today, I've got two two points today, two major truths that I want us to look at that can help us today hear about God's call to go. So if you're keeping notes this morning, first, this passage reminds us that God's call to go is given to all who have come into relationship with Him through Jesus If there's anything this passage shows us at the beginning, it shows us how the natural progression of things is that you come to faith in Jesus and then God gives you the ministry of reconciliation. Look at verse 18. It says, now all these things are from God who reconcile, that word reconcile means to reconnect, to bring back together. If you're in a fight with your spouse or somebody or or your company is is at odds with uh, maybe the government or something, you are irreconciled at that moment. You are separated. But if you reconcile, it means that you've come back together. You have united back together. And it says that through Jesus, we have been reconciled to God. Which is true because aside from Christ, the Bible says our sin has separated us all from God. But in Jesus, we've been brought nearer to God. Now listen to the next part of that though. Once that has taken place, once you have been reconciled back to God through Jesus, the Bible says then we are given the ministry of reconciliation. That he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The progression of this text is clear. That if you're in Christ, you become new. Part of becoming new is that you've been brought near to God. And having been brought near to God, then it is your responsibility to then bring others near to Him. To Him giving us the ministry of reconciliation. Now I want to give you a few truths about what this should look like. But essentially what it's saying is is that saved people are supposed to be sent people. You hear that this morning? Saved people are intended to live sent people. Let me give you a few ways that we can understand this. First, this passage reminds us that the call to go is relationship-centered. Now we need to notice here in this passage that it's essential to us sharing with Jesus with others, to being given the ministry of re- reconciliation, is that first, we must be reconciled unto God. He says those who have been reconciled to God in Christ, that those are the ones who have then been given the ministry of reconciliation. People don't just choose being a missionary as a vocation. People don't just wake up today and say, I'm going to make a decision to go and tell other people about Jesus. They may do that. But inside the kingdom of God, it is intended to be once God has done a work in you, once you have been brought near to God through Jesus, then out of that love for Him is where you are then sent out to tell other people about Him. In the kingdom of God, there are no salesmen of the gospel. There are only satisfied customers. There are people who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. If you're a follower of Jesus, God's intention for your life is then, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, is that God wants to make you a spiritual grubhub driver. That God wants you to be one of those people who bring the bread of life and living water to all the people around us who hunger and thirst. This is part of God making you a new creation is he gives you a new mission in life. I want you to know something church family. If you're a follower of Jesus, but you feel like your life in Jesus is boring, you feel like your spiritual journey is boring, I want you to know this morning that if you're not pointing other people to Jesus, you're missing one of the key ingredients that God has for your life. I remember hearing a story about uh, three boys who were arguing with one another about whose dad was the best, and they started talking about whose dad was the fastest. The first boy said, well, my dad's the fastest. He's a bricklayer. And he can be bricking a house, and if he's at the fifth story of a house and he drops a brick, he's so fast, he can run down the steps and catch that brick before it hits the ground. The second little boy said, well, my dad's faster than that. He's a professional archer, and he can set up a target 50 yards away. He can draw the bow back, and he can aim for the bullseye, and he can shoot that arrow, drop the bow, and he can catch that arrow before it hits the target 50 yards away. And they just kind of looked at one another. The third little boy said, well, my dad's faster than all of y'all. He works for the IRS, and he can take money out of your dad's billfolds before he ever gets paid. (laughs) The reality is this morning that we as believers should want to brag on our dad. We should want to brag on our father. If If you know him, if he is good, if you know him, then you should want to tell other people about him. And I would say this to you here today. If you're not then one or two things is going on. Either you don't truly know Jesus, and that's, that's worth evaluating today, or you're just not walking close with Him. Because if you're walking close with Him, if you're walking in the fullness of the presence of God, then you desire to want to tell other people about it. Secondly, this passage reminds us that the call to go is heavenly sanctioned. By saying heavenly sanctioned, I mean that it is God who is the one who is saving people and sending them out. At the beginning of verse 18, just after Paul is speaking about how Christ has made him a new creation. And right before, he talks about giving them the ministry of reconciliation. So 17 is God's going to make you a new creation. At the end of 18, he's going to give you the ministry of reconciliation. Look at the beginning of verse 18. It says, now all these things are from God. Paul's letting us know, listen, God is the one who saves and God is the one who sends people out. And the reason why we need to be reminded of that today, that God is the one who saves and sins, is because eventually, or usually, or in some case, all of us deal with the lies of the enemy that God can't use me. Anybody else ever been there before? I've been there before. They say, man, I, I just don't believe God can use me. Sometimes people say, I don't believe God can use me because I did too much wrong before I came to know Jesus. Your reputation is way too far From a Christian to ever been told anybody, tell anybody about Jesus. I remember uh, when my brother came to faith in Christ and he had lived a, a, a very broken life through high school, first part of college. When God saved him, God did a radical work in his life. And a few years later, God called him to preach. And, uh, he had a friend, one of his best friends in high school, they had kind of lost connection, had moved to Coleman. And, and my brother had been asked to go preach at a fifth quarter, a youth event, at a church there off of Highway 157. And they put on the marquee, Kyle Reno, preaching this week. Well, uh, my brother's friend Jacob, who's a Christian now, uh, who wasn't then at the time, sees his name and he calls my brother. They haven't spoken in years It says, Kyle, man, you ain't going to believe this. I'm up here in Coleman and there's some dude up here named Kyle Reno that's going to be preaching at this church. Kyle kind of paused for a moment and said, Well, Jacob, that's that's me, you know. Man, I I got saved and God's done a work in me. And he says there was a long silence on the phone, and Jacob said, Man, God must be hard up for preachers, you know. <laughs> Some of you may feel that way. Say, man, I've just done too much. Well, all over Scripture we see God taking people who are far from him and using them for his name and glory. Some people may wrongly feel like you've messed up too much as a Christian. You know, Zach, it's not my testimony before I came to know Christ that I'm ashamed of. It's the things that I've done since being a Christian. And again, that's one of the reasons why you feel like God has disqualified you. Some people wrongly feel like that their gifting is just not right for telling people about Jesus. Man, I'm not a personable person. I'm more of an introverted person. I can't Surely I can't tell people about Jesus. And then some people feel like they don't know enough of the Bible to tell people about Jesus. And all of these reasons and all of these concerns, none of those thwart God's Word and His truth that says, now all of these things are from God who has given you the ministry of reconciliation. God says, if I have saved you, then I have the authority to send you out. One of my favorite stories about that we see in Mark chapter 5. The Bible says in Mark 5, as Jesus heals a man who had been living among the tombs, who was gnashing himself and wailing in pain. But the Bible says that Jesus set him free, cast the demons out of him. And then he's clothed and in his right hand. Mind, which, by the way, is what we're praying for freedom for people in our community. We're starting a 12-step program on Monday nights led by some godly people here at Eden. And if you've got some friends or family or if that is you here today and you struggle with substance abuse in some areas, join us on Monday night. It'll be a private moment in the fellowship hall. and We believe that Jesus wants to set people free. But the Bible says that once he, Jesus sets this man free, the Bible says he's clothed and in his right mind and he wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus will not let him come. It's one of the few few places in Scripture we see Jesus says, no, don't follow me. But this is what he says. Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And this is what the Bible says he did. And he went away and began to... Proclaim in the Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. This man had been saved for minutes alone, and Jesus looks at him and says, Go, tell people, and God started to use him. Friends, if you are here this morning, and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you, then that's all you need to know. If you know that he saved you, then that's all you need to know to go tell other people about Jesus. Sure, you can be trained and you can learn more things in the days and months ahead. But the first thing you need to know is the most important thing that you already know. And that's that you were a sinner, but Jesus saved you. Thirdly, this passage reminds us that God's call to go is scripturally repeated. While it's clearly this passage shows us that God has called us as his people to go tell others about Him. Apostle Paul says it twice here. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. But this is far from the only place in Scripture where we see this call. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The last words Jesus gave to His disciples before He ascended back unto the Father says this. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Both in Jerusalem and in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. He tells them, go tell people about me. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, he talks about the work of salvation. What happens when somebody gives their life to Christ? It says, but you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. By the way, that's what Jesus proclaims in heaven when you give your life to him. You are a holy nation. You are God's own possession. And this is what he says. So that what you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And then finally we see probably one of the most known passages that we think about when we talk about our call to go. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 14 and 16 says, For you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Several years ago, I was approached about the opportunity to go with a team uh, to do a mission trip in India, in Southeast uh, Asia. India is a very hard trip to go on. A friend of mine said, India stands for I'll never do it again. Uh, and so, But, I, but I, I, I was intrigued by it, but honestly, I didn't spend a whole lot of time praying leading up to that if I should go. It came to like the day before I was supposed to go on that trip. And I got up that morning and I had to let them know something if I was going or not. It was the day before I had to let them know. And and, uh, I got up that morning and I said, Lord, if you want me to go on this trip, I just pray. You know everything that's going on in my world right now, how busy I am. But I pray that your word would speak clearly to me this morning if it's your will. So again, I had my one-year Bible. I read through the Old Testament. Nothing in there that really sensed that I needed to go. Read through the New Testament. Didn't really sense anything that I needed to go. And I was kind of thinking, all right, man, maybe the Lord doesn't want me to go on this trip. I flipped over to my psalm for that day. Psalms 96, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Proclaim good tidings of salvation from day to day. Tell of His glory among the nations and His wonderful deeds among all peoples. I couldn't get around that one. The Lord made it real clear I needed to go. So I said, Guys, I'll go. Uh, almost a year later, we're in India on this trip as we'd played and prayed and planned and gotten there. And, and uh, the man who was leading our trip said, Hey, let's take a moment and pray about how the Lord laid it on people's hearts to go what was how, how did the Lord end up calling people to go and everybody had different stories and I told my story I was like hey I just said Lord if you want to speak to me today you got to make it real clear and the man who was leading the trip who has mobilized uh, dozens and hundreds of people to the nation started laughing this is what he said Zach if you always use that as your means of determining whether or not you go to the nations then very rarely will you ever say no and he was right he, he, he was right because over and over and over again, God's Word continually shows us that it is God doing a work in His people and then sending His people out to go. This is the natural progression of faith. God puts faith in you and then calls you to bring that faith to others. I heard somebody say one time, the gospel came to you on its way to others. And so this morning, from the truth of Scripture, from the authority of God's Word over and over and over again, we've got to ask ourselves the question, are we being obedient to God's call? Church family, this has got to be something we deal with in our core. Some of you might say, well, Pastor Zach, you know, I, 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 that, I, I pay my tithes and that's in Scripture. Praise God for that. I'm so glad you honor the Lord in that. You say, "Well, man, I love my wife like Christ loved the church." Praise God! for that, that's the scripture God calls you to do. That you abstain uh, from certain things in life that God's called you to. You don't live for well, you know. You don't live for material possessions. That you honor the Lord. You go to church. You serve people. You love your neighbors. All of these are wonderful commandments. But again, just because you're doing the others well, doesn't mean that you can look over this one. God has called us to go. And we've got to ask ourselves the question: Is taking the gospel? to people around us, a regular part of our lives. So the first truth in this text is we see that God has called all of us who are Christians to go. Our second truth today shows us that God teaches His followers what it looks like for them to answer the call to go. Now for many of us, as soon as we start talking about proclaiming the gospel to other people, you immediately begin to clam up and begin to get afraid because, man, this is totally outside of your comfort zone. And and I want to let you know that we understand that. And God understands that, by the way. All over the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul saying, Pray for me that boldness would be given to me in opening my mouth. It's an encouragement to me to know that the greatest missionary who ever uh, walked the earth had to pray that God would give him boldness to share the gospel. This is not an easy journey, but it's something that we're called to do, like all aspects of obedience are. And one of the things that I want to encourage you that we're going to begin doing this coming Tuesday night at 6.30 is we're going to begin the first Tuesday night of every month, we're going to do Go Tell Tuesdays. And we're going to do this once a month. And our prayer is, is that we do this once a month, every month, till the Lord comes back. That we have, if somebody was to ask people, Indian Baptist Church, what do y'all, you guys do? What does your church do to engage your community with the gospel? So will we serve our community well? We love the people around us. We do, But ultimately, every Tuesday night, once a month, we're going to rally our church to come to an event where we send them out to go and share the gospel. Will you come to that Tuesday night? We're going to put a blessing bag in your hand. It makes it so much uh, less awkward to knock on somebody's door and just say hello. You know, we're here to talk to you about Jesus. Versus to show up and say, "Hey, we're from Indian Baptist Church. We just want to bless you today." And so we have a free red box movie code in a bag and a bag of popcorn and some information about our church. So it's a movie night on us. Hey, we love our families. We love we love our neighbors. So we just wanted to to bless you and, and here's a blessing bag from us. And then say, "Is there anything that we can pray for you and for your family for?" Very rarely will people turn down prayer well sure you can pray for my work situation or you can pray for this and then you very easily get to say man I'm about to pray for you but before I pray for you can I briefly tell you what Jesus did in me and you just get to share your testimony of what Jesus did in your heart and life. Before you know it, you are sharing the gospel with people in our community. Our heart would be is that over the next several years is that we get to knock on every door in North Jefferson County. Praise God. Can we get a big hand to the Lord? But, man, that's, a, that's something. Church family, we can do this. Once a month. Come do it. Bring your family. Bring you and your wife and your kids. And you come show up. We'll give you a few addresses to go to, some blessing bags, and then go. And also what we're going to do on most Tuesday nights is that if that intimidates you every Tuesday night once a month while people are going out, we will also have people that are there who will train you in how to share your faith with others. So again, once a month, every month, we're going to have a training for how you can share your faith with others, and that will help you. You may not be ready to go out this month, but you can at least come this month and get trained for that. And you say, well, Pastor Zach, man, I'm not able, I'm not physically able to get out and go do that. You know what you can do? You can come and pray. How incredible would it be is if we've got 30, 50, 100 people going out sharing the gospel, and we've got a room full of people that are in there praying and interceding that God would use them while they're out. So come and join us. On Tuesday evenings. But I want you to look with me again. Verse 18 and 19. This is Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I want to give us four lessons very briefly here from those verses about what it looks like to share your faith with others, that can help us share our faith with others. First, this passage teaches us the significance of God's call to go. Notice there he says that he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Church family, this basically says there is no plan B. This is the way that the gospel comes to Morris and Kimberly in Warrior, Alabama. There is no plan B, there's no other option, there's no other way that people are going to hear about Jesus than God's people who have been reconciled to God, who have been given the ministry of reconciliation, going out and telling other people about him. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they're sent? By the way, we're all preachers and proclaimers of the gospel. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Carl F. Henry once said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Church family This is our responsibility. Friends, this is what God has called us to do. There is no plan B. It is a significant call. And it should create within us urgency this morning. Secondly, this passage teaches us the scope of where God has called us to go. Look at the latter part of verse 19. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That word, the world, encompasses everyone which basically means the scope of the call, the mission of God for us advances or goes to every person we see and encounter. That means the neighbors on your street. That means the waiter at your table. That means the, the, the friends you sit next to in class are students who are here today. As you get ready to start back school this week, and you'll probably never have a greater missional opportunity than what you have in middle school and elementary school and high school to tell people about Jesus. It means everybody that you see everywhere all the time, Jesus loves, Jesus knows, and Jesus wants to save. And the only difference is whether or not they hear the gospel, which is supposed to come through us. Romans 10, verses 11 and 12 says this, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all abounding in riches, listen to this, for all who call on him. Now, I know theologically speaking, there's people who disagree with me on this, and I know that God is sovereign over all things, and He sees and does a work in salvation that I can't understand. But at the same time, all means all, and that is all, all means. Jesus loves all. Let me tell you what that also means. Not just your co-workers and your friends and your neighbors, but it also means the people that you've given up on. It's the people that you would say, I don't know if God could ever save that person. The scope of God's love goes to the farthest lost. And He loves them just as much. Thirdly, this passage teaches us about the salvation that we are called to proclaim. In the middle part of verse 19, we see what the message is that we are to proclaim. And it's the message of salvation. He says that namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And listen to this this next little phrase. This is the gospel not counting their transgressions against them. This is the crux of the gospel is that there is forgiveness in Jesus. And the promise that there's forgiveness in Jesus reminds us that there is a God. Is that God has a standard of right and wrong. The Bible says that we are of all sinned; We've stepped outside of that standard. But that God gave His Son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven. Church family, what a beautiful message that we have to proclaim. It's a message of grace. It's a message of forgiveness. It's a message that all those mistakes and all that brokenness and all that hopelessness and every misstep and every moment in lostness that God can say, I forgive you. We need to hear this message. It's not a new message, but it's a needed message. The lostness in our world today is incredibly pervasive. And people are going farther against the design of God and celebrating it at a level that, honestly, most of us had never seen. Just this past week, I heard that the spread of this new disease, monkeypox, is actually 95% contained to men who live in the LGBTQ lifestyle. However, that's not what you hear in the media. And in fact, right now, there's an overarching effort to keep that message contained because the fear is is that to say anything about that would be to discriminate or to say in some way that that lifestyle is negative. Essentially, culture today is more afraid of making bad actions seem sinful than actually stopping the spread of a disease. Now, I'm not just singling out that one sin over any, but what I'm saying is here today is that, again, there is a concentrated effort to, to celebrate people who are stepping outside of God's design in all areas. And we have been given a message that says that, yes, that there is such a thing as sin, but God loves you and brings forgiveness. And, yes, this message will not be received by everyone. And if it's not, then we are just showing true what Jesus always said would be true. Blessed are those when they persecute you and say all false manners about you because of me. And then fourthly and finally, this passage teaches us God's strategy to engage in his call to go. Now I want you to notice something here. In verse 18, the Apostle Paul says that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. But then in verse 19, it says he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now both are speaking to go and telling other people about Jesus, how those who are far from God can be reconciled to God. Now the first part, the ministry of reconciliation, that word ministry just means to serve. It's actually the same word that we use for deacons. It's to mean servants. And so it reminds us that going and telling people about Jesus does involve service, by the way. This is why we've included a significant portion of our budget, just to love our community well. It's why we took up the offerings of uh, things like the uh, gift cards recently to help people with gas. Some of you, just this last week, our our finance uh, committee was able to agree that that we're going to help in the days ahead uh, to put in a new sound system uh, at Bryan Elementary School that is vastly needed there in their gymnasium. And again, the reason why we do these things is because we want to love people well. We just want to love our community and that matters by the way when Jesus would come in and proclaim the kingdom of God the Bible said he would heal their diseases and their sicknesses and he would proclaim the kingdom of God but this is what we need to know though Paul didn't just leave it at the ministry of reconciliation then he said I have given you in verse 19 the word of reconciliation Paul is specifically pointing to the fact that the greatest way to engage the gospel with others is that we have to verbally share Jesus with others we have to actually engage them with the gospel. Romans chapter ten verse seventeen says, "This faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ." Some of you may have heard the statement before. It says, "Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words." Have you ever heard that before, Ray? Have you seen that heard that statement before? And listen, that's not a terribly bad statement? It's just a half truth. Absolutely. We should preach the gospel and let people see Jesus in our lifestyle to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify their Father in heaven. Absolutely, we should serve the people around us. We should absolutely do that. But the gospel message does not come in words of service alone. It comes in word and verbally sharing about Jesus with other people, proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Church family, if all we do is serve people and not share the gospel, then we are not sharing the gospel. To share Jesus, we got to share Jesus. It's just that simple. And so this morning, the call to go is the call to go and verbally engage people with the gospel. Yes, serve them, love them well, but then let them know, hey, do you know Jesus? And if they say no, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Now that may not mean that that's the only time you do that. I can still be friends with you and I can serve you for a long period of time. But I'm always consistently ready to tell you about Jesus. Now before we close today, I want to share with you what I believe is a personal evangelism strategy that I would love for all of us to take on here at Enon in the days ahead. Our hope is that we're going to have some little bracelets as reminders to be able to give you in the days ahead. But I want to give you four things that I believe that are vital to us answering God's call to go. First, we've got to pray. we got to be a people who pray. That regularly we pray that God would put lost people in our path. And that God would give us the boldness to share the gospel. Church family, it never fails. The more that I pray about sharing my faith with others, the more lost people I encounter. The more I think about it. The more I engage with it. It's on my mind. So we've got to pray Daily. Romans 10.1 says, my prayer and desire for them is for their salvation. We've got to pray for lost people and pray for boldness. Secondly, we've got to see. Pray that God would open our eyes to see people around us. To see our sports teams, our little league, the parents on our little league teams, to see people around us, to see our neighbors, and see them not just as friends and people, but to see them as souls whom Jesus died for and whom he desperately wants to save. And help them enter a relationship with him. We've got to open our eyes to the people around us. Oh God, help us to see. And then we've got to pray. Oh God, give us the boldness to share. God, help me to share what Jesus has done in me. And that's where it starts, by the way. You just share what Jesus has done in you. Help me to share. Help me to proclaim. And then lastly, invite. Now, once you've shared the gospel with people, yes, you can invite them to come to know Jesus. It's called drawing the net, by the way. It's one thing to share the gospel with them, but again, it's another thing once you've shared the gospel to ask the question, say, would you like to give your life to Jesus? Asking that question gives people that moment to say, do I need Jesus today? We've got to be willing to invite people to come to faith in Christ. And not all conversations lead that way. Then secondly, you know, a great way to get people where they'll hear the gospel is to invite them to church. My prayer is that here at Enan we would have a culture of invitation that we are regularly sharing the gospel inviting people to church inviting people to come to know Jesus because again we make the we make the promise that we will always give people an opportunity to come to know Jesus at Enan Baptist Church that they'll hear the gospel and have an opportunity to respond church family our prayer is that God does a culture gives us a culture of invitation and that our services are regularly filled with people who are lost and seeking Jesus that we can all commit to doing it. Everybody can commit to inviting somebody to church. That's, a, that's an easy win. And that you invite them to come. I'm going to ask Brother Ron to come. And as he comes, I want to end on a little story here today. This is intended to be the top of a lighthouse. Um, I had a really cool illustration that I was going to use, and we we're going to turn the lights off, and I was going to turn this on. It's supposed to be active and working, and I bought it from Amazon. And it is terrible, okay? So um, you just have to picture that in your mind. It was going to be a really powerful, cool moment. Uh, But what I will tell you is the story of lighthouses have been used in gospel proclamation for a long time. Lighthouses date back over thousands of years, back to the time of Jesus. In a season in life where people had to depend if they were going to go a significant distance they had to go by sea a lot of times and so in these early era sailors they didn't have the instruments and they didn't have the technology a lot of times they didn't even have the maps that we have today so it was always sea travel was always very dangerous and when they because of weather they could you know it would block out the stars they couldn't see where they were they couldn't navigate properly is if they would come on these rocks and these shoals that would still be hundreds of yards away half a mile or more away from the land is that they would their ships would sink not only would they lose their cargo but it was too far away to swim to the to the shore and these men would perish And so collectively, everybody started trying to figure out a way to fix this. And one of the things that they came up with were signal fires. And so they would start on these points and near these harbors, they would light these signal fires and it would let these ships know where the bank is and where the shore was so that they could navigate properly and find safe travel through. As those signal fires began to to phase out, they began to have more more equipped ways of doing that. Finally, they, they came up with lighthouses because they discovered that light can penetrate a lot of darkness. Light can penetrate great storms. Light can penetrate through fog for a certain distance. Light can travel a long way. And so they set up these lighthouses. And before lighthouses were electronic, before they had all the satellite information, everything that they have today, there would be a light keeper or a lighthouse keeper, and that's what they referred to as light keepers. And their responsibility was whenever it was stormy, it would get dark, and every evening is that they would be in the lighthouse and they would keep the fire flaming there. They would keep the oil flaming or keep the lamps trimmed so that these the light would consistently shine out over the harbor. Because the truth was they never knew when a ship was going to be coming by. They never knew when a ship would get lost. Their responsibility was just to perpetually keep the light shining so that anybody who was lost and broken could always find their way home. And church family, Jesus says to us, Let your light shine before men. Our responsibility as Christians is to perpetually be those people who we keep our light shining. We are bringing and spreading the light of the gospel to everybody we see perpetually. And it may not be every day, but at certain times, if you keep your light on, then God's going to bring lost people into your harbor that would perish unless they found a way home. And we are the way home. The gospel message of Jesus in us is the way to the Father. But a lighthouse is only good if the light keeper is on duty. Church family, are we willing to answer God's call to go? Say, God, use me. It is worthwhile this morning taking a moment of repentance. Ask yourselves the question, have I shared Jesus with anybody in the last year? Have I shared Jesus with anybody in the last five years? Have I ever sat down and verbally said, this is what Jesus has done in me. Would you like to give your life to Jesus? If not, then we are taking of the great beauty and glory of what Jesus has done for us. And we are hiding that away and not allowing him and his love to go to the world around us. And it's what we're called to do. So maybe this morning, at the beginning of this series, we just have a moment of repentance. Say, Lord, forgive me. In the days ahead, we're going to give you some more things. Some of you may saw the Blessed Burden Wall out there that looks beautiful. Next Sunday, you come in, we're going to give you some tags and start writing down some names of people around you. We're going to show you how to make a a map of people around you so that you can begin praying for these people to come to faith in Jesus. We're going to have a whole wall of these little tags of first names of people that we're going to pray that Jesus does a saving work in in this next year or the years to come. But right now, we've got to start with saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me of not sharing. Forgive me of not being on duty. Because you're worth it. So right there where you are, maybe you'll bow and just have a prayer moment right there at your pew. If you feel led, if you need to come and kneel at this altar a moment of repentance, you feel free to come. I'm also going to invite you this morning say, Brother Zach, I, I... I can't tell anybody about a Jesus that I don't know. You say this morning, Pastor Zach, what I need is I need Jesus. I've never given my life to follow Him. You may be here this morning, and God brought you here today so that you could come to know Jesus. And you can call out to Him right there where you are. Say, Dear Jesus, you can pray this with me in faith to the Lord if that's you. Say, Dear Jesus, I don't know you. But I want to know you. I'm lost. I need to be a new creation. A new creature. So I ask you to save me, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe you rose again. So I ask you to save me. Right there where you are, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you ask Jesus to save you in your heart right there. Nobody looking around, this is just me. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or embarrass you in any way. But if you ask Jesus to save you, would you just glance up at me? Again, this is going to be totally between you and I. We're not going to, amen. Anybody else this morning, you say, Pastor Zach, that's me. And I ask Jesus to save me. You just glance up, keep your eyes on me. And then when we catch eyes, you can look back down. Is that you this morning? Amen. Others today, you say, Pastor Zach, that's me ask Jesus to save me. What I encourage you to do, if you ask Jesus to save you, then here in just a few moments. Our pastors will be up front. You feel free to come let one of them know. You could come catch me after the service and let one of them know. If you've done that in recent weeks, but you've never let anybody know, come let one of us know, and we can tell you how to take those next steps. This morning, as we sing, as we close out here in these next few moments, would we just pray, oh Lord, here we are for your name and glory. Would you stand with me today? Our pastors are going to be up front. If you need somebody to pray with you, if you need to join this church, if God is stirring and moving your heart in any way, you feel free to come as we close.